What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Artist of Data Science Open Office Hours. Super, super excited to have you guys here. Had a super eventful week here at the podcast. Released two great episodes. Uh, one was with Brendan Kumarasamy, and that was around how to become a better public speaker. So it's definitely an episode worth checking out. Also released an episode with Carl Gold, who's the chief data scientist at Zora. And that's all about how to fight churn with data. Great episodes. Interviewed a bunch of cool people this week as well. Interviewed Donald Robertson, who wrote How to Think Like a Roman Emperor. Interviewed... Uh, Jeff Chrysler, who co-wrote a book with Dan Ariely called Dollars and Cents, um, also interviewed a, a person on LinkedIn who I, I find really interesting, uh, Joniah Bickball. Uh, so that was cool to be able to chat with him, man. The guy's really cool. Um, yeah, man. So really, really awesome week here at the podcast, man. So Hopefully, you guys got an opportunity to check out the episodes this week. Keep an eye out for the episodes that I just mentioned. They'll be coming out in the very near future. Right now, we got Anthony in the house, and we got Hasib, man. How you guys doing? I'm doing well. Good. Thanks. Right on, man. Happy to have you guys here. What can I do for you, man? You guys got any questions or anything? You guys want to just tell me how your week's been? All right. We got Ashen in the house as well. Nice background, Hasib. I like that. <laughs> I guess. Ashen got the cartoon background. That is awesome. Rick and Morty. <laughs> nice. Nice. Anthony Anthony is choosing to remain anonymous. That's all good, man. No, sorry, because uh, my, my internet was like shaking up a little bit, so my no. audio was cracking up. <laughs> no worries, man. No worries. Yeah, I'm yeah I just to... wanted to listen in, yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. Feel free to listen in, man. Like, if you don't have any questions, no worries. Um, uh, you're more than welcome to, to sit back, relax. But sometimes people don't have questions, and we're just sitting here chatting. And uh, that's fun as well, man. So feel free to jump in at any time. So this week, a coworker and I started doing um, confetti.ai. They have, I don't know how many machine learning interview questions. And uh, we're trying to say if we can answer these questions as consultants, would we be able to, you know, ace and machine learning interview question? Because we're both, we're not hobbyists, but we're not experts either. So we're like, all right, we're going to start measuring ourselves. And they have this fantastic zero to hundred scale just answer, keep answering questions. You get explanations. Keep trying. So that's been this week. We did that a couple hours this week. It's been really fun. That's really cool, man. Confetti.ai. Yeah, I'll drop a link in the chat. Yeah, definitely, man. I'll, uh, I'll make sure I link that to the show notes as well. That's really, really cool. How are you feeling about those questions? So we jumped into the math. And it's like, oh, wow, we don't know math. <laughs> oh, to like quiz you on actual like math mm-hmm. stuff? Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like I, I graduated grad school seven years ago, maybe eight, something like that. So I'm very not in touch with the math anymore. I don't even know how much of that I would be able to do right off the top of my dome. But if you give me like 30 minutes to an hour, I could like figure it out. <laughs> What's up, artists? We all know that cloud computing has changed the way we live 
do business, and stay connected. With everyone using the same cloud platforms, winning and losing comes down to having the talent to build products better and faster. So whether you're an aspiring data scientist looking to build your skills or a seasoned veteran looking to level up, developing tech skills and being comfortable working in cloud environments has never been more important than it is right now. Cloud Academy has thousands of video courses, learning pads, and practical hands-on labs in real-world cloud environments designed to help you build critical cloud skills. They cover everything from major certifications to DevOps to security to programming languages. Cloud Academy is the cloud training platform of choice for Fortune 500 companies and thousands of tech professionals around the world. Don't just take my word for it. Check out the reviews on G2 and get started now at cloudacademy.com. Members of the Artist Loft can lock in 50% off the monthly price for life. Just put in the coupon code ARTIST when checking out. It's a great way to pursue certifications or just build your cloud expertise. Again, go to cloudacademy.com and use the coupon code ARTIST to lock in 50% off the monthly price. Yeah, think about it this way though. Like math, yeah, it's important. It's running under the hood. And there are a lot of elitists out there who say, oh, no, you cannot be a data scientist or a machine learning engineer unless you know how to do everything, blah, 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 from, right. from the ground. Cool. Well, then you cannot be a driver of an automotive vehicle unless you know exactly the mechanism that causes your car to propel forward when you press your foot on the gas pedal. Right? Yeah. To me, that's the same analogy, right? Um, I mean, obviously, have some awareness of it. And obviously, if you don't know what's going on under the hood, when you do use it, you will get bad results. And if you get bad results, you're going to get fired. And if you get fired, chances are you won't get hired again. So you'll be pushed out of the field naturally. So the people who don't know the math behind the shit, they're eventually going to not be data scientists or machine learning engineers anymore because they're going to keep fucking up. Um, so it's like natural selection, right? So yeah, it started... It's start, we're starting to get into the point where we're like, all right, we're done with the ML 101 stuff. We've done all the hello worlds. We've run models. We've done, you know, data ingestion. What's the next level that we can take this to? Okay, maybe now's the time we start diving into the math just a little bit. We're not talking, let's start doing proofs and all that. Just, you know, mm -hmm. what, what's behind everything? It's just we yeah. can start stepping into that. Yeah, definitely, man. It makes you understand it uh, at a more intuitive level, like a more deep, deeper level. If anything you'll become better problem solver for it, right? Just having to think through each step. Like uh, if anything, that was the greatest thing I learned from my very long education in mathematics and statistics was just how to solve problems and how to not get, like how to, how to not be presented with a problem and just be like, oh fuck, I don't know what to do. Like, yeah, that'll be the initial reaction, but I'll figure out what I need to do. I've done harder things than this thing before. Um, so if anything, that's what it's taught me shit ton of resiliency and how to solve problems. Uh, but yeah, that's good, man. And, and it's always been helpful for me when I see an equation, I will translate it to words, right? Like, let's just take a simple equation, right? Like the Sigma capital Sigma summation parentheses X I minus X bar 
squared over n, right? Okay, you look at that, it's like, that's fucking weird. But you break it down into just simple words. Okay, so I add up all the differences between this value I'm looking at and the average value of all the values here, and then I square it, and then I divide it by how many things I added up, and then I end up with this value, which we call variance, right? So it's, it's very helpful to be able to translate that thing into words. So that would be my advice to you. Got Navya in the house. How you doing? Hi, Harpreet. I'm good. How are you? Good. I good. have Nick with me. Hey, how's it going, Nick? Good. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, man. Happy to have you guys here. Welcome to office hours. Dude, this is Thank awesome. You. We got we got a proper party going on. I know there's some people <laughs> some people from um data science dream job should be joining in soon. Um but yeah, man, super happy to have you guys. How's your week been? So far so good. Nice. Same. Nice. So yeah, uh, dude, I saw that um, Navio was showing me the uh, Aura Ring uh, yeah. project that you got, dude. That was really interesting to see, man. Yeah, I was. We were just talking about it, and I like, and I thought there'd be a lot I could, I could do with it, but it turns out there wasn't all that much because I can explore it, but it's hard to actually finding a value that you can do with understanding you know what would be interesting though because aura ring like I, I have not looked at the data at all for aura ring but if you have other wearable devices right and you can like tie that data together right maybe merge it by timestamp and yeah right yeah. do that and then and then couple it with weather data right weather specifically and, yeah just weather also yeah really that's that's like because that's super easy to do because that's historical data there will always be weather data on a level of granularity that you could tie back to whatever granularity yeah. you have on your ring and they could assess the impact of, mm. of the weather on your fitness habits. And if you have Spotify, Spotify oh. as an API, you could tie in and see how the music you are listening to impacts your activity levels. Like there's so much cool, interesting shit that you can I do. think I downloaded my personal data from Spotify. So I have that too. I don't know if it's the same as what's in their API. But in that project, I also, I didn't use weather data, but I, I'm a bit of a nerd and I collect other cell quantification data. So I tied in like the number of alcoholic drinks I have on my sleep and whether or not I, I practice certain things. I took those and converted them into binary, like yes, like one or zero and didn't find any effect, which was a bummer, but I thought it was a cool idea. Yeah, I haven't looked at the numbers itself, but I've, I've, you know, just for the sake of science, I've done this before where I'll drink an entire bottle of wine just to see, <laughs> just, just for science and see how, see how that impacts my heart rate variability and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. You track HRV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. Just to, cause it's interesting because you, we, like on the surface of it, HRV, heart rate variability, like you think that you want that to be low, but you want it to be high, which is mm -hmm. it's interesting. Yeah. What made you start tracking that? Cause I, I track that every day also. Um, just because it's a good indicator, I think for stress and overall well being, it's always interesting to see the effect uh, that the meditation period has on that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting data. Yeah. A lot of times I'll, t I'll take it first thing in the morning when I wake up and then also when I meditate, I'll, track my HRV to see what effect it has. And a lot of times it'll plummet and then it'll spike. 
Yeah. What's interesting is, so I was hanging out with uh, with Kyle, Kyle McHugh from Data Science Dream Job. I was hanging out with him in Florida earlier this year. Uh, my wife and I went out with him and his wife uh, one night and he had eat, he's primarily vegetarian, but he had eaten a steak that one night. And then that's how I heard about the aura ring is he then showed me, he showed me the data after eating the steak. He's like, okay, look at my normal stuff and look at what eating the steak did to me. He has an aura. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I heard about this thing from. Yeah. Yeah. But dude, that guy's like super, he's like resting heart rates in like the mid thirties. I was like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, man, you are super, super healthy. That's insane. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was interesting to see that. That's where I got interested. I was like, oh shit, let me track what happens to me. And yeah, yeah. made my wife get me this for our fifth anniversary. Oh. Yeah. But I was surprised to see how plasticky it was. I was expecting something. I yeah, I should have spent the extra couple hundred bucks for the titanium one. I think yeah, I didn't realize it would be as plasticky as it is until I got it. Yeah. But yeah, cool, man. Well, nice to have you guys here. Enough about the Aura Ring. If anybody has questions, Aura Ring should sponsor this episode. I'm going to... Actually... I was going to say that uh, we were actually hoping to have Nick's resume reviewed today. We can yeah. do it when everyone's uh, gone no, through their questions because okay. we've already taken a lot of time. But yeah, yeah. we were hoping to get that reviewed. But we'll hang absolutely. out. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah. Fun fact, the CEO of Aura Ring, his name is also Harpreet. Yep. <laughs> nice. He's my friend on LinkedIn, so I should, uh, I should ask him if he wants to this, this particular episode. Uh, but, yeah, um, but yeah, definitely, if nobody has questions, um, then we can get to your resume review. But we'll see if uh, we got Salim in the house and Anthony Ashen, Hasib. If you guys got questions, let me know. Sure for the ride. Just, just hanging out, man, right on. Hi. Yeah. I, I just joined, and I, I was kind of, uh, I was going to join from my house, but I, I couldn't get out from my work. Ah. Uh, and I don't know if it was already mentioned. It's, it's my first time, and I, I'm planning to get into a data time on my, on my next my career planning. So it came across online i i mean your uh company so is, is it uh is it like a self-paid with mentor or how does that work is there any live teaching as well included or oh you're talking about data science dream job yeah yeah so data science dream job that's it's a it's a it's a mentorship pr- uh, platform so navia here is one of our students here so i'll have her chime in later um but pretty much the way data science dream job works is it like our goal is to get you your first job in data science, right? So that doesn't matter if you're transitioning from a outside career um, or you're in a data adjacent role already trying to become a data scientist. Um, so we have a clearly defined roadmap for you, right? And that roadmap will, cause there is a lot of noise out there on the internet everybody is talking about how to break into data science, right? And it gets very confusing, very overwhelming. Um, But we've got a battle-tested roadmap that we've had for over two and a half years, um, distilling down which core competencies you would need to have success in a data science position, like breaking in, right? So, like, 
all of that stuff, yeah, you'd have to self-teach. You'd have to like, you know, do all that stuff yourself. But we have office hours. So this is my open office hour for my uh, podcast. But four data science streamed up throughout the week. I have like four office hours, an hour and a half each. And during those office hours, people come up with questions, whether it's working on a project, resume review, take-home assignment, um, just whatever. And I'll help them through that, right? And then every month we have at least one technical session and these technical sessions, like they're geared towards helping you be successful as a data scientist. And I say technical, but even though it's not fully always technical, right? Like for example, this month I did a lesson. It was two weeks ago. I did a lesson on, um, I don't know what the topic was, but it was a good topic. But the month before that, I did a lesson on how to deploy a model. And the month before that, or rather after that, I did a lesson on how to uh, evaluate your model once it's in production. I've done lessons on linear algebra statistics and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's what that pretty much is. So um, we also have an active Slack community where you can ask questions and stuff like that. So, yeah, full-on mentorship platform. Um, you get access to myself as well as four other mentors um, and we just help you throughout your process so yeah that's what data science dream job is in a nutshell so i joined data science dream job myself as a student and that was like two years ago i think maybe over two years ago like july 2018 is when i joined data science dream job and it's literally the best thing that has ever happened to me so I vouch for the program 100%. Um, I wouldn't have joined on as a mentor if I didn't believe in it either. What is the, the average time period of your participants finishing the, the whole uh, process, like starting from joining the, the course resources and getting a job? So it depends on where you are in your journey. But realistically, man, if you work hard and you put in the effort, you can learn everything you need to learn. Not everything, but you can learn the vast majority of what you need to learn to get into a data science role within six months. Like, it doesn't take that long to upscale, especially if you're diligent in your self-education. Um, and that's for multiple reasons, right? One of the core competencies in any data science role is the ability to program, right? And writing code and programming is what's called a kind learning environment. You get feedback immediately on where you messed up, right? Obviously you'll have to decode the, the stack trace to find out where your error was and whatnot, but you can learn quickly um, in that type of environment where you're getting constant feedback. Not only that, like the math stuff and the stat stuff, you can, collide that together with programming so that you're learning two skills at the same time, right? Now, if you're learning math stuff and you're learning programming stuff, now you add in the project, you add in some real live data. Now you've got expertise or not expertise, but good experience building out a project end to end, starting from question to data to hypothesis, to, you know, the, the entire pipeline, defining it, discovering, deploying, you know, the entire data science process. Um, so you could do all that in six months and have like an immersive experience and know enough 
to get a job in data science in six months for sure. You won't know everything. Uh, I've been a statistician, actuary, data scientist now for almost 10 years, and I still don't know everything. Um, and I never will, which is why I love data science, but you'll know enough to get the first job. But let me ask you this, man, like what brings you to data science? Like, why do you want to be a data scientist? Salim? Uh, yeah, it's, it's all about my uh, long, long time, long, long uh, period career planning, especially on the, the health field. Uh, I have some uh, works in my mind. Uh, uh, projects which really needs to be get involved with the data science, AI, machine learning, and so on. And I'm I'm like I, I have some options right now. I'm I'm applying to like uh, biomedical informatics that includes some sort of health uh, data management as well. And on the other hand, I'm like considering these uh, boot camps where uh, I like, so that, that brings my next question as well. Like what, what, what makes uh, like after completing the, the whole course and working with the mentor, like what attracts uh, the, the data science jobs? Well, like what, what can I put on my resume that attract the data science positions I mean, on my the biggest thing that's gonna like the biggest thing you put on your resume if you don't have a data science role is not a certificate it's not what courses you took it's say tangible project so that is the biggest thing you can put on your resume that will greatly increase your probability of even getting an interview so the project is the biggest thing you could do to have an impact for sure Okay, and you you have that uh, on your hand, right? Like the project's real? Uh, yeah, we have example projects for sure that will show you what a good project consists of, but they're meant to serve not, you know, as a project for you just to take and put on your on your resume to pass off yeah, yeah. as your own, right? It's a blueprint that will show you exactly. Like yeah, just a blueprint, blueprint yeah. I mean. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a blueprint. You'll look at this project and say, okay, now I know exactly what my project should look like. Then you can work on your project and then you can come to my office hours multiple times a week with questions like, oh shit, I'm trying to do this and I'm stuck. Can you help me? And then I'll try to help you if I can help you. If, if not, we'll get your question answered because we have such a huge community. Um, but yeah, so we have blueprints for projects and if you need feedback on, and you know, all majority of us are hiring managers, right? So like I'm the head of a data science department. So I've hired people. I've interviewed hundreds of people. Um, I've looked at probably a thousand different projects at this point, quite literally. Um, so I know what to look for and I know what's going to get you hired and what's going to get your resume tossed in the trash. Um, so you get that added benefit. And then obviously John Sebastian, Chris, Lediona, Lediona is also lead of a data science team and we all have different areas of expertise, right? So for me, it's statistics, Lediona is NLP. Uh, Chris is more of the business side. John Sebastian, he's just good at everything. And then there's, there's, um, Kyle, who's uh, the mastermind behind it all. 
Yeah, so quick question regarding uh, the six month period you mentioned earlier. Um, mm -hmm. So could you like maybe just give a few examples of like uh, uh, job titles of what people can expect after six months? So, you know, data science is pretty broad. So like, um, so yeah. after six months of putting work into learning what, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So data science is like, it, it's a huge field, right? So yeah, there have been some I mean, there's been a lot of people who they've gotten their first job straight up data scientist. Um, but there's also posts, like I'm just looking through a success post. Uh, somebody had a job of business intelligence engineer. Somebody had a job of data analyst, ETL engineer. Um, somebody had a job of data analyst again. And those are the only ones that stand out. There's data science, healthcare data scientist. Uh, um, myself, data developer after, yeah, like six months. Yeah. Data roughly. developer. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. almost like a data engineer ish position. Yeah. I would, I would imagine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like DevOps and an engineer. Yeah. Yeah. Which is that role is going to blow up in the next, you know, couple of years because that's like the most important part. And that's in my experience, what I've noticed, uh, probably one of the biggest areas of, concern for companies is getting data into the hands of people who can use it to make decisions. Uh, I think someone had a question in the chat. Oh man, it's Cow Cub. Cow hey, Herbert, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, good. Cow Hi, God. Cow Cub is one of our students at Data Science Dream Job. Cow Cub, uh, I see Cow Cub more than I see my friends. Um, so see him uh, pretty much every day. He's he's uh, officially he's officially one of my one of my good friends now. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Harpit. Thank you yeah. for that honor. <laughs> yeah. So uh, two of my recruiters reached out to me for the jobs that I applied to. Mm -hmm. Well, they said that I think I sent you that thing. So they said that. Uh, the role is on a hold, but uh, they wanted to talk to me. Before that, they want to know what is the target compensation. Mm -hmm. What are a couple? What is the second one? What are a couple must apps? Okay, so I'm just looking at Slack at the message you sent me. I'm just going to pull this up real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're talking about a role that is, uh, they've got a few questions for you. Question one, what is your target compensation for your next Opportunity, question two, what are a couple of must-haves? So for target compensation, man, so anytime you have the opportunity to put, put out a number at the, f at the first, that is the golden opportunity, right? Because in negotiation, in persuasion, mm -hmm. there is this concept called anchoring, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to come back to your actual question, but there have been some numerous studies on this behavioral science, behavioral economic studies, one of which is they would fill up a jar filled with jelly beans, right? And they'd go up to somebody and be like, Hey, do you think there are over and under over or under 6,000 jelly beans in this mm -hmm. jar? Right. Mm -hmm. And they do that and they average out the, the number of jelly beans people thought there was right. Cause after they'd ask, is there over or under, then they'd be asked, okay, how many do you think there are? Right. And then there'd be a group of people where they'd go and say, hey, do you think there are over or under 1,500 jelly beans? Okay, how much do you think there are, right? Mm 
the results were surprising because just by priming somebody by giving them a higher number before asking them what they thought that would pull up the average estimate by a significant amount right okay. mm-hmm. so this is the anchoring effect in in action right uh-huh. so it it happens to all humans right uh-huh like if nobody here knows my name right i mean knows my age i mean maybe you don't do know my age but if i was to like hey am i over or under 45 right I know you are not. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's like the 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 thing, right? So if I, if I was to split people up and I say my over or under 25, uh-huh. it, you know, and then if they say, "Oh, you're over," then I ask them that the the number it'll be lower than if I ask somebody my over or under 50 and they said lower, right? Lower. So so this is that concept, the anchoring effect, right? Uh-huh. So if you have an opportunity to put out your number for the first round right mm-hmm. so now you should make your number as high as reasonably possible right uh-huh and that number should be whatever salary you would be happy with the lowest salary you would be happy with plus 30% right mm, okay right and you can preface it like this right i mean there's one of two ways you could do it Right. One way is you can respond to that first bullet point and say something along the lines of, you know what, at this point, I'm just looking for a opportunity to get to know the company, to get to know the team, to make sure that we like each other, that we, you know, that your work is interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't want to ruin the opportunity of getting to know you guys by throwing out a number that's too high. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's one way you can do it. Alternatively, you can, you can just give them the number. Right. So it depends so, on how you want to play it. So in, I, this, in this case, because uh-huh. this particular says the role is on hold, mm-hmm. right? So roles on hold. So, it, I mean, you might as well just tell them what number you want because it doesn't, doesn't matter, right? Like you can't control when the role does or does not come off hold. Oh, what do they mean that role is on hold? So they are not, so the application filled up. Is that what they meant? No, it means that one point in time this role was open but Uh due to circumstances within the company the role is no longer being actively pursued for filling sure okay okay yeah and then the second question here a couple of your Mm must-haves i mean i don't even know what like must-haves for what there's a lot of shit that i must have um but I guess they mean with respect to the working environment, right? So if you say a couple must-haves, just say, oh, you know, I, you know, I would love to have a, a certain type of laptop, right? Maybe you like a Mac. Make sure you say, okay, well, I'm more comfortable working on Mac, so that would have to be a must-have for me because I'm only going to be able to deliver maximum value if it's in a computing environment that I'm super comfortable and familiar with, right? So that would be like a must-have for me. At, okay. Or if not, if not Mac, then, you know, at least give me administrator rights so I can download WSL onto my machine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. So, you know, must-haves, I would say that's in respect to the work environment. So what must you have to make you happy at work? Uh, well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, I need a Mac because, yeah, I need a very efficient Mac. 
yeah that was one of the target i was hoping for yeah 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 I, when like when i was so this this week was my one year anniversary at my my current role and when i was negotiating with them uh after i topped out on the salary like i negotiated a laptop and i was like all right well i would need a i9 with 64 gigs of ram and they uh <laughs> they obliged uh, so, oh congratulations yeah, yeah. anniversary. Yeah. that machine is a beast yeah, I mean, I get like three or four response today, and yeah, up. I told you it's just a numbers game. Cause so CalCup guys for uh, for you guys, uh, Cal goes and come in office hours with me quite consistently for a very long time. He applied to over seventy jobs in two weeks, and it's just a two week period. He was, uh, you know, a bit uh, down because he wasn't getting responses as quickly as he was anticipating him getting responses. But the thing is that there's always a lag period before the time that you apply for a job and the time you get called back because how companies operate is that they will have a job posting up have a window for which that, that job posting will be up. And once that window expires, they take all the resumes that have um, either passed the initial screen by HR or were referrals. And then the team, the hiring team, whether it's just one senior data scientist or senior data scientist and the manager will spend maybe a day going through all those resumes, but that day might not happen for two weeks after the job posting was closed. Right. Mm -hmm. And then once, once they have decided, okay, these are the candidates that we want to bring on. Now it's a matter of, okay, well, coordinate with the HR, like, right. These are days that I have open on my schedule. Right. So there's always that delay from the time you apply. There's a lot of shit that needs to happen for you to even get brought in for an interview. And that shit has nothing to do with you. It's just processes. Um, so now you're probably cat and all that is catching up with you. Uh, all those. Oh, by the way, Harpit, uh, two days ago on Wednesday morning, one of the guys sent me a request on LinkedIn. Uh, named Marcelo Binez. He's a partner from Microsoft, and I I responded him, and he like after after uh, accepting his request, he said, after five minutes he sent me a request. Hey, Kaka, thanks for the connection. What is your Power BI skills? I told him I. I learned Power BI this year and I know how to get my job done in Power BI. I I have never taken any exam or anything, but I know how to uh, uh, wrangle the data, shape the data, pivot or unpivoting column, those kind of things. Would you like to talk about more or anything? Like he's seeing my message. Then I followed up with him after today. He also saw it, but he's not responding or anything. Should I bother sending him another message or? No, I mean, you can't control whether or not somebody responds to you. When you sent him the first follow-up, did did you just say like, hi, or did you like make it a thought out message? Because if all you did was say hi, then I'm going to like digitally reach my hand into the screen and smack you, right? Don't just send hi, right? Don't just follow (laughs) 
no when i said the follow up message i said hi uh, uh, i hope i was able to explain my skills as you asked for i would like i would love the opportunity to talk to you in person if you have some time uh, i'm looking forward to hearing from you that's it. Yeah, that's cool. Now, if you do follow up with them next, like you can't just make the follow up all about me, 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 right? Like right. if you want somebody, if you want to engage somebody in a conversation, then like look and see what, what has he liked or interacted with on, on right. LinkedIn, right? right? And maybe make that as a basis of conversation. Did he comment on something and did he leave an insightful comment? Like, hey, dude, that comment you said about that thing, that was really insightful because this is what I was thinking. What do you think, right? Okay. Okay. So it's called making conversation. So make conversation and don't make it all about you because okay. Okay. Right. people have their own problems to deal with. You know what I mean? Right. They, they, they don't want to be bothered by, by your problems. I mean, okay. in general, uh, that's what, that's what, what it is. Uh, people, people send some crazy messages in LinkedIn. I, I didn't know that there was a guy named Mohammed. Bilal Jamil, he sent me a request and I saw that he posted that he is a senior software, senior data analyst at this company. He worked for five years, but then when I accepted his request, he's like, hey, Kaukab, uh, can we do interview practice with each other? I am also looking for a job. I was like, sure, okay. Well, I have to now edit that guy's name out and everything from this podcast, Kalka, because that's confidential information. So, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, okay. I don't know. I mean, I mean, that's fine, dude. Like, if somebody wants to mock interview with you, then yeah, yeah, like, I said sure. Do it. Like, build, build connection, connections. Yeah, help people yeah. out. Like, that's probably the best thing you do is just help people out. Nobody, yeah. nobody. I mean, I, I mean, in general. Nothing ever bad happened by helping somebody out in general. I mean, there are scream edge cases, but you know, let's, let's not think about those. Um, but yeah, if you don't have any other questions, I will open it up for more questions. Um, oh yeah, right. somebody. Thank you, yep. Yeah, feel free to hang out, man. Uh, yep, of course. Yeah. So if you wanted a somebody wanted a resume review, I forgot who it was. Must must have been yes, it was Navier. Yes. No, it was Navier. Yeah, I think yeah. it was Nick. Yeah. It's actually Nick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're, we were still editing it and uh, I guess we should be ready in a few minutes. Yeah. A quick question for you. Two quick questions on resumes in the 21st century. Do you think that it's okay to have it go on to the second page? Uh, I mean, they, they say one page per decade, right? So, mm-hmm. so you have to think of it like this. This is this is literally the process that I've gone through the last few times I've been hiring. There will be a shit ton of resumes for one position, right? Hundreds, sometimes thousands of resumes for one position, right? And I have to go through all of them to find somebody to potentially bring on and talk to about even more, like, you know, talk to more in depth. So you have to make it easy for me to quickly look at your resume and say, oh shit, okay, cool. This guy looks like he 
first can do the job and looks like he's done interesting stuff, let me bring it in, bring him in and talk to him, right? So it's easy to do that when the resume is easy to read mm-hmm. and not just like blocks of text, right? Like I'm not yeah. like, like there are days when I want to go read a blog post and yeah, I mean the mood to read a block of text, but now I need to go through a fucking thousand of these resumes and find somebody to talk to more in depth. So one page is nice because it just, I'm assuming that you are able to distill down complex topics such as the work that you've done in such a way that I'm able to look at it and be enticed within 10 to 15 seconds. That says a shit ton about your communication skills, right? Uh, and it, it shows that you have respect for the reviewer's time as well, right? So, Yeah, because yeah. I'm not in, currently in an actual data scientist role. I'm in a, I'm a technical solutions engineer, it's called. And I've done data science projects at the company. I've also done my own. And so I'm include, now including a personal project section. Yeah. And if I include that, I have to sacrifice. Either it's going to go onto the second page or it's, I have to seriously consolidate my work experience and only have a single position. On so there. for your work experience, right? So think of it like this instead. Think of from your work experience that is not related to data science, can you trim down stuff that is non-data science-y? Well, yeah, I've trimmed it down. I've only highlighted the data science-y stuff on it. And of course, I can talk to other stuff too, but it's like three or four or five bullets from Mm -hmm. my most recent position. But then if I add the project section, it's going to be a bunch more and probably can't fit that plus. So if you if you have like like I mean I'm sure once you pull up the resume we'll we'll look at it but if you have like um, yeah let's, let's pull it up let's look at it but if you have like prior work experience that's like you know like librarian in grad school or like something like that then you can probably keep that off the resume like that that doesn't matter um, but here we're gonna pull it up and. I'm going to describe this as much as uh, possible for the people listening on the podcast because I know there's... No, this isn't. This is the wrong version. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let me just say this, just as some consideration. So if you have a lot of work experience and that work experience isn't technical, like we just mentioned, like librarian or whatever grad school position you had or undergrad position you had, those you can just simply leave off your resume, right? Um, and you can have them on your LinkedIn for sure, right? Um, but just keep keep the work experience that is going to make it easy for me, the hiring manager, to connect what you've done to the work that I need to get done, <clears throat> right? So as much as that is possible. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, yes, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's that one thing. Another thing while you load that up, another thing is like if you have like a ton of projects that you worked on for a particular role, like you don't necessarily need to have all of that on the job. Uh I mean sorry, your resume. You can have like an opening sentence that says, as a data and technology consultant, I had the opportunity to work on several projects, some of which include the following, right? So by including that line, you can just keep in one or two bullet points and make those the bullet points that are most relevant to data science. But 
if you're in an interview situation, you could talk about stuff that is not on your resume. Like mm-hmm. for sure you can do that. Um, yeah. So yeah. So now we have your resume up. Uh, you see, is it too small? The format looks great. No, it looks good. Um, <laughs> looks like you're originally from San Francisco. Yeah. Where does, where do you, how do you get that? Oh, I guess. 415. Yes. Uh, I was going to say. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm from, I'm from Sacramento. So I, I know. Uh, I'm from the area. Yep. All right, so just looking at this first experience, March 2018 to present. Uh, What do you think of the tagline, first of all? Oh, full stack data scientist, researcher, solutions engineer. Uh, That sounds good, yeah? Okay, cool. Yeah. Only thing is, like, like I I actually, I have zero clue what a solutions engineer is. Yeah. That's a good point, you know? Yeah. So... Um, so I actually had a lengthy conversation with Nick about his experience and what stood out to me was he can, he can solve any problem. <laughs> and I realized solutions engineer was really, um, it was apt in describing what he's capable of. Like two, th- two things mean, stood yeah. out to me. Like he can solve problems, although it's not technically a part of his job description. He's capable of figuring out solutions in whatever form they need to be, data science or not. And secondly, his uh, curiosity. He's curious about uh, different things. And I-, I wanted to include the word researcher to uh, convey that. I would just swap out solutions engineer for problem solver like straight, straight up i guess like yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah. Putting it. uh, it's like solver. less yeah problem solver there you go yeah okay cool yeah because I, I was originally hired as at the start of my work at as both a sales engineer and a support engineer and a big portion of my role was also to look around and see what I can do to improve the processes and our department and the company as a whole. So that's also where I've been able to take on data science or apply data science. And yeah. it doesn't really fit squarely under either bracket. So they said that instead of being a sales or solution solutions engineer, I should or sales or support engineer. I should be a solutions engineer. Yeah. Yeah. So but I, most people haven't heard of it. And, and it, it sounds obvious to me because I, I've had that as my tagline for a while. Yeah. But for most people, it isn't. Yeah. So I would like these four bullet points under this job here. Like I know they say Zendesk a couple of times. Now, let me ask you, these bullet points, are they standalone projects or are these all bullet points for like, you know, can you consolidate some of them into one project? I guess like these two in the middle, let's say use Zendesk to model da da da, and create a Zendesk app that does da da da. Like, was this the same project or was this two totally, different, totally different One is like developing an app and the other is okay. uh, clustering and finding trends and ticket data. Okay. Um, so um, I, I would, yeah, go on, go on. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, different question. Before I forget, uh, I suggested to Nick that he includes his uh, website as well, um, his mm-hmm. blog here. Uh, I don't know if this, like, since he's applying for a data scientist role, and this is... It's an unrelated blog. Like, it's unrelated, but uh, I think it's cool that he yeah, has... Yeah, definitely, definitely include that because... Okay. 
like what you could see from the blog is just your communication ability, your ability yeah. to. Mm-hmm. And I've, I have 85 posts on it. So it shows that I've been sticking Consistent. with it for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely include it for sure. Okay. Um, so just work just up because the advice I'm going to give you is going to like literally you can copy and paste my words to everything. So let's just focus on this top one. Um, and then w- whatever I say, abstract that to every other bullet point you have here. But I'm a huge fan of, I like, I like narratives, right? And human beings in general, I'm assuming whoever's looking at your resume at some point will be a human. Uh, we like stories, right? Like storytelling is, is part of our DNA, right? So as much as you can inject a narrative or a story into your resume as possible, it'll only help the reviewer make a deeper connection with this piece of paper that's in front of them. Right. I hope what I'm saying makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. And before we started editing it, I had like a sentence to, to preface each of the bullets saying like this, like elaborating, like this was the problem. This is why I went about doing this. Like, okay. You can see support tickets spiked without a reason. And then I don't know if you can see it cause we are oh, sharing an application, but yeah, Mm. But I had that, and then for sake of space, space and we condensing, yeah. Well, you could still you could still use that narrative to your advantage, but condense down space. It, you just got to get really um, strategic with it. So, mm-hmm. uh, one thing I would say is like have have that narrative open up, right? You can say, as a technical solutions engineer, I had the opportunity to engineer solutions for problems across multiple areas of the business, primarily this, this, and this, right? Whatever, right? Um, don't worry, this is going to be recorded. You can have all this. Oh, on. great. Okay. <laughs> awesome. This will be on podcast and on, on YouTube. So mm-hmm. uh, you'll, it'll be up by Sunday. So, um, okay. Thank you. So definitely like have that little bit of narrative, right? And you can say, you know, as, as a solutions engineer, I had the opportunity to, engineer solutions for, I mean, well, that's kind of redundant. Don't say that. As a technical solutions engineer, I had the opportunity to work on a wide number of problems. I had the opportunity to solve a wide number of problems, some of which included whatever you want to put up, right? Um, I would go for the ones, like, so for that top of the point, first recipient of the Gong Foundation Award, mentor a seven person solutions engineering team. So like for me, like as a data scientist hiring for a data scientist position, like, like I would just, I would remove that because it it doesn't clearly connect Mm. your experience to what I'm hiring for. By all means, talk about that in the interview, right? Uh, Okay. Good point. Like when, when they talk about, how you work on teams, you'd be like, actually, I was awarded, I'm such a good team player that they gave me a fucking award for this, right? So talk about that in the interview by all means, but it, it doesn't need to take a real estate on the resume, right? Another thing I would say is, um, so three by five card, right? Simple three by five card. Yeah. On the blank side of it, write out star S, mm. T, yeah. A R and you're writing it vertically, right? So you're holding the three by five card 
the long way and vertically you're writing S-T-A-R so that they're evenly spaced across this three by five card. And then under each thing, right? Situation, task, action, results. So just use a couple of bullet points to describe the situation, right? And I want you to focus only on the projects that you can answer questions about left, right, center, upside down, inside out, right? Only those projects should make it to your resume. That should be your threshold, right? Because if it's on your resume, it is going to become a topic of conversation, right? So you never want to be in a, this has happened. Like I've interviewed hundreds of people and people have put shit on their resume and I asked them about it and they would literally say, oh, you know what? That's such a long time ago. I don't remember what I did, blah, blah. Oh, you know, I just put that there because someone's right. You don't want to be in that position. People actually do that. So don't be that guy. Have that be your threshold, right? Like only put stuff that if I was if they were waterboarding me, trying to get the truth out of me, like I would, I, I would, I would give them all the information, right? They'd be happy with it. They'd completely be able to reconstruct my project, right? Have that be the first threshold for what you include on your resume. Second threshold is okay. If if every bullet point you have meets that criteria, then what am I most proud of, right? Because you might have stuff on your resume that. You know, if you had to rank order these three bullet points, like if you had to rank order all your bullet points, right, what would what would you chop off, right? What would be at the bottom of that list? Chop, chop those off, right? Yeah. So those are two, two simple criteria to help you figure out what you need to put on your resume. Sorry, you're saying something? Well, I was going to say, that it sounds like what you're saying is that it's better to have fewer and a little more of like a, a storyline arc and be able to talk yeah have an hour-long conversation about one specific bullet than to have a bunch of things you've done and hit a bunch of keywords and show that you have experience but not like maybe they're not quite as fresh so they're not as yes exactly 100 percent. you like spot on 100 percent this this section right here isn't as fresh and as detailed as in a previous internship. So what it makes sense is to delete that because like, especially because it's freelance. So I would, I would do a quick restructuring, right? I would put the personal projects up top experience on the bottom and then whatever is trailing, like for example, data and technology consultant, if you can just put one line, right? Like for example, like, like my first job out of grad school as an actuary, like that was damn near 10 years ago. Right. I do. I literally do not remember shit from that time, right? Mostly yeah. because I was at the pub every fucking night. But like, it was just so long ago, right? <laughs> I don't remember anything. So my one line is: I, I was a smart of a part of a small team of statisticians that researched the applications of generalized linear models for warranty pricing. Like that is literally all I remember from that job. <laughs> so I just put that one bullet point, right? So if anybody ever talks to me about it, I can be like, okay, well. I, I I know about generalizing your models. We could talk about that. And I, I know how we were using warranties. Like yeah. it's pretty self-explanatory what I was doing. Um, but I could talk about that at a high level. Right. Um, but that's, that's a pretty big resume change to shift to that experience below the personal projects. Yeah. But what do you think is going to get you hired? What's the first thing you want people to yeah. see? Right. So like I, people, yeah, because I'm. How do people read top to bottom, right? So if I read top to bottom and I'm like technology solutions engineer, like okay, well, first of all, I got no clue what the fuck that title means, and you know, going down through that, right? 
um, have the projects up, have the projects up top. That's, that's a very good point. And uh, one question I had, Harpreet, so um, although I wanted to remove this right here, this freelance project and this, this intern, because it's SQL and subqueries, it's not as effective as these keywords here. I don't want it to seem like there's just one work experience. I don't want there to be three projects and just one experience and nothing else. I think it's less of a problem if the projects go above. Then Yeah, if the projects go above, then you can talk more in detail for projects and then the experience comes below, one of your experiences is more lengthy and then the other two just have a sentence or two, mm-hmm. right? So scroll down to that bottom one, that intern position. Yeah. Uh, right You're here. Working working on it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you could just have like, like no, 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 pull back up. Wait, where'd it go? Oh. Disappeared. It's at the bottom there, yeah. So, like for example, here, right? You can uh, you can easily condense. Like this was a long time ago, like four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you can in one sentence just say, "I optimize SQL queries for this, this, and this," right? And just leave it at that, right? You can say, "As an intern, my responsibilities included uh, optimizing SQL queries, subqueries, and uh, making it effective." use of the case statement like I like you know what i mean it's just one sentence right yeah like clearly i don't sequel too much um but that's you know one sentence you can get the gist of what you're what you did got it okay i think that that makes sense so i guess we have a good direction now uh, yeah. when we're going about um revising this mm-hmm. I, think, I think we we know what to do thank you so much yeah cool no problem got time for one more question. Well, yeah, two two minutes left. So um, I got to go to the Apple Store, pick up a trackpad and a keyboard. So I got I got my my I got this riser upright, and this is good because I could sit straight now instead of having to like move my chair. Like it's good for posture, but I have to like like type like this, and like that's not good. So I had to go buy a a trackpad and a keyboard so now i can just like do stuff normally with normal posture uh that shit costs 300 dollars, man yeah on the top of the gear what microphone do you use so this is a atr 2100 so that's what i use here atr 2100 for the microphone these are sennheiser uh over ear open back headphones so these plug right into the mic this is helpful because i could hear myself talk and i like to think that it prevents me from saying um uh and stammering as much really when i had because i have another set of headphones that i use just to listen to music but when i was using those those are noise canceling so i couldn't hear myself talk and Uh i'd go back and listen to recordings and i would just hear myself say um um uh, uh so much since i switched to these since i'm able to hear myself talk i'm more conscious of Oh, that's cool. Of st- like instead of saying Amara, I'll just pause. Have a silence. Yeah. Yeah. And then continue on. Yeah. It's been, it's been quite helpful in that respect. Um, and then my laptop's just MacBook Air. Because I'm considering either starting a podcast like you, but not in data science or a YouTube channel. And either way, required equipment is audio related, like a microphone, because your, your phone can take good quality video or decent quality video but you need to have good audio in order to 
produce anything. Yeah. So HR twenty one hundred is like hundred bucks. Like people will, people will talk about like um, what was that thing called the Blue Yeti or the Snowball or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that people will talk about that. Like, oh, that's the number one microphone you should get, but you shouldn't do that. Microphone's complete shit. Like I've I've read I've got like three podcast books and. And I went through the recommendations for the three Hello? books to see what was common amongst those. Yeah, and it was this mic. Interesting. Cowcub is unmuted there. Oh, uh, before I forget, I wanted to let you know that Nick also has been listening to your podcast and he will soon have some feedback. I'm a big podcast. Nice. And I, I subscribe to like four data science podcasts and now five, including yours. So nice. after I listen to a little bit more, I'll let you know any comments I have. Definitely, man. Just make sure that your comments, if it is less than a five-star review and negative, that you please just talk to me about it first. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> before I'm leaving. Have a conversation about it, not in the app store. All right. All right, cool. But yeah, yeah, definitely let me know. Absolutely, man. So my podcast is more than just the Data Science Podcast. I, when I first started, it was lives and journeys and stories of data scientists, but it's slowly been morphing into a self self-development personal development podcast for data scientists because that's really my main area of interest so i've got a good mix of other topics on the show so there's a bunch of data scientists on there but i've got episodes released recently like the one this monday was all about how to become a better public speaker oh cool and that was with brendan kumarasamy he did a uh, well he has a youtube channel called master your talk and he's super super like elegant with the way he talks like we had this segment where i just gave him a random word and he did like a three-minute speech on a random word oh, that's cool. without missing a beat and he talks about how you can do the same thing for yourself so that was really good as well Is he, a book? he doesn't have a book he has a youtube channel called master your talk master your talk okay, I, I need that yeah it's it's a really he's really really entertaining uh, really helpful Couple but weeks. Good reminder on the review. It was on my list, but I totally forgot. Five star review coming yes. up. Thank you. Appreciate it. A <laughs> uh, couple of weeks ago, I did a interview with Anderson Silver, and he wrote a well. He wrote a few books, but he he's a wrote, wrote books on the topic of stoicism. So, hmm. introduction to stoicism episode out there. Um, I got a interview with Alex Pang. He's been on, like, he's done talks at Google. He's been on Ariana Huffington's show. He's been on Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's show. So that was really cool for me. I was listening to his talk today, or your interview with him today. Okay, nice. Yeah, that was really, really, his book is amazing. Rest is such a good book. But yeah, that was really big for me to have him. I did Scott Young. He wrote the book Ultra Learning. Oh, I haven't heard of it. That book is huge. Scott Young's been on, like, like Jordan Harbinger's. Podcast, uh-huh. so he's huge. Got an episode about emotional intelligence for data scientists. Mm, that's huge. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I got an episode on how to be a freelancer. Um, yeah. So something well, else I'm curious if you have any experience with or know. I've been researching it recently. Is graph learning? There's a bunch of outdated books on it, and started reading one, but it's like 500 pages, and didn't know if it was going to be worth the read. There's also one coming out later this year that I saw. Um, I was thinking about waiting for that because it's an O'Reilly book. Within the context of like for graph theory, it's this huge, but yeah, it depends I, on yes. which context you want to learn it for. Like if you're learning it for net, networks and like social networks, I think that'd be an interesting um, 
application. Like I know nothing about graph theory, but I did pick up a book and the book is called connected. Uh, connected by, or linked? Uh, this one's called connected. It's oh, interesting. I, I want called linked too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this one's the author's name is uh, James Christakis. No, Nicholas Christakis, Nicholas Christakis. Yeah. Did you read it? Uh, I haven't read it yet. No, I haven't read it yet. I've got like, I always like to have some books on my bookshelf that are left unread to remind me how much I don't know. Mm, that's yeah, a good point. So it's just a bunch on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a lot of shit I don't know. Uh, eventually I'll get to. Um, but yeah, right now I'm reading this book uh, by Srinivas Rao, The Art of Being Unmistakable. Uh. So I'm reading that one. Uh, these are my books just for, um, for like, to to get me through so there's Stephen Pressfield oh, War of Art yeah so got Marcus Aurelius Meditations mm, um, I'm reading that one yeah that's that um, that's a good one then uh, Mastery by Robert Greene ah yeah. Mastery interesting he, yeah. he has like 48 Laws of Power and what yeah. else He's got 48 Laws of Power, 33 Strategies of War, The Laws of Human Nature and he's got a lot of, oh, of Seduction it. yeah I've got all his books um for, for, I got all his books for a good reason. Let's just uh-huh. yeah. Uh, let's put it at that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, right. a couple chapters of uh, Laws of Power, and instantly saw how that manifests in like the corporate world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, his books, legit, man. His books are legit. Earlier this week, I interviewed uh, Dan Donald Robertson, who wrote How to Think Like a Roman Emperor. So he wrote a book about Marcus Aurelius, about the philosophy of Marcus Aurelius. So he's been on like Ryan Holiday's show and stuff like that. So he's huge. So that was big for me to, to interview him. I interviewed uh, Jeff Chrysler, who wrote a book with Dan Ariely. Uh, Dan Ariely wrote Predictably Irrational. Who else did I interview? I interviewed uh, Keith McCormick. He's got a bunch of uh, LinkedIn classes. He's huge in data science. I interviewed Paul Thagard, who is a cognitive scientist and philosopher. Um, he, we talked about the meaning of life and then mm, we, also, cool. we also talked about um, like AI ethics. So he has this, he, awesome. yeah, awesome. He, important topic. Yeah. He took, I, I can't remember what the oath is that like doctors take, but that, that oath that doctors take, he mapped it, Is that what it's called? Yes. Hippocratic oath. Then he, he mapped that to AI. Oh, wow. So that'll be an interesting one. I uh, had an interview with Nir Bashan, who wrote The Creator's Mindset, Christian Bush, who wrote The Serendipity Mindset, Fred Pellard, who wrote How to Be Strategic. How do you choose your guests? And also, I think you mentioned you, you read a couple of books on podcasting. Like, how did you figure out how to, how to do it? Uh, so I'm just a student of everything, right? Well, so so I, I picked... I literally like I went through every single book on my shelf and inter- like emailed all those authors and surprisingly a good majority said yes. So oh cool. And so I I pick the authors based on just things that I'm interested in, right? Mm. Um so for example, like I'm interested in game theory and I think data scientists will find game theory yeah. interesting. So yeah. I have an interview coming up with Kevin Zolman who's he's been on big think and, and, and any talk on big think about game theory is most likely him. Mm. So he wrote the book game theory and the art of parenting or something like that. So, but so I don't know what your listenership is like, but they're okay with you just reach out to them and you, I'm sure your, your cold pitch is, is outstanding by now, yeah. but you just reach out to them and then they say yes, or maybe later. And then you have them on the show. 
Yeah, I'm just persistent as hell. So yeah, so that's how I just reach out to people. It doesn't matter that your listenership probably isn't in the millions of downloads every week or month. Yeah, no, no, not at all. No, someday it will be. Um, But yeah, it's just, yeah, I just find people who I find interesting and I've read their books. So I'll come out with with an insightful comment. A bunch of books on health and wellness related topics. And I have my list of 50 people I want to reach out to. But I thought in order to reach out to them, I'd have to have a huge audience of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people for them to be interested. But Sounds like go for it. Like what's, what's the absolute worst that could happen? Okay. So you could, you could not reach out to them and they'll not be on your show. Okay. Or you could reach out to them and they'll say no, and they'll not be on your show. (laughs) So both courses of action result in the same thing, or you could reach out to them. They'll say no. And then maybe when you're bigger, you'll email them and maybe they'll say yes. And they're not going to even remember that you emailed them when you're smaller. Right. So like, there's literally no downside for, for, going for it the only thing i see is that i don't want to waste like the initial learning curve of like learning the podcast and produce audio video content on the people that i'm like so interested in i want to like yeah. be a polished machine by then yeah so that's why i dumped 15 episodes from my first like on one day day one when i released the podcast it was 15 interviews and i just oh. I, by the time and i interviewed just people that like you know that i knew like people from data science dream job people couple of LinkedIn famous data scientists just to see what happens. And I practiced on them. Yeah. Right. I see. Yeah. And, and then I just, and that's, that's better. it's really easier because like how often are they getting in? Probably not very often. Yeah. Yeah. So it was definitely were easier. And um, yeah. And then you just get like Seth Godin has a lot of free content out there yeah. about how to be a podcaster. Jordan oh, Harbinger yeah, got some stuff. That. Hmm? No, he has like, he's like daily inspirational, like 100, 200, sometimes 400, 500 words. I didn't know he, had, he puts out content on being a podcaster. Yeah, he does. He has his podcast fellowship, um, which is interesting. And yeah, I mean, just every person that you look up to in the podcast space has done somewhere or other talks about how to be good at podcasting from their perspective. So you should consume as much of that as possible. Right. Like for me, like Tom Bilyeu is my guy. Like I love that guy. Right. And like when I look at who I want to become as an interviewer, I look at Tom Bilyeu. Right. Cause I'm like, all right, cool. I want to be like him. So what the fuck does Tom Bilyeu do? Well, he's talked about it. Let me go find all the times he talks about his process for interviewing. And let me just, let me just try to do my cheap imitation of that and see what happens. Yeah. And I know that he does a shit ton of research. So I will too. I will read every book, every blog, everything. I know he does a killer introduction. So I will too. I know, I know he does his show notes, super comprehensive. So fuck it. I will too. Right. So when I think about who I'm trying to, you know, become as a podcaster, it's like, okay, well, I'm not like, I'm not, not trying to be like Kyle Polick from, from Data Skeptic. I'm not trying to be like Carol Irminko from Super Data Science. I'm not trying to be like Miko Yuck from whatever her podcast is called, um, <laughs> Analytics on Fire. Uh, like I'm not trying to be like them, right? Like I'm trying to be like Tim Ferriss. I'm trying to be like Tom Billy. Yeah. I'm trying to be like them, right? Yeah. So let me model my game after what they do. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, like, do you know who Jordan Harbinger is? Yeah. Okay, so like... I'm just going to pull something up. Like I've been having conversations with Jordan Harbinger for like the last two, like, you know, 
kind of full on conversations. You look at my messages here. Um, and here's Jordan Harbinger. And it's like, yeah, we're, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Like we're actually like chatting. And this is through your, through your podcast. No, this is just through LinkedIn, right? Like he, he, he made a post about, uh, Scott. And I was like, Oh, actually I interviewed him too. Uh, but yeah, like he's, Oh, um, I see. So, so you saw a relevant post and then you reach out to him. He's like, Oh, well, he reached out to me first, right? He reached out oh. to me and I was like, I don't, I don't fucking know you, dude. I just thought you were cool. And I like your work. <laughs> like, I don't know you personally, but yeah. I admire you. And yeah. So we started like talking and stuff. Um, so now it's like, all right, now my, my move is good. I've been way, like having your podcast and reaching out to people and interviewing people gets you a, another degree of connection to a ton of other people. And yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's a cool corollary benefit of it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, like I asked Jordan Harbinger about how to be a better interviewer. He was like, actually, I just released a course on Friday about it. It's on this app that's dirt cheap. Go listen to it right? I've listened to it and it's awesome. Now I'm going to come back to him and be like, you know what? That course is fucking awesome. I learned so much. I would love to have the opportunity to take what I've learned and use it on you. Right? <laughs> oh, that's cool. And then you also can become a case study of his. Yeah. Right. And it's like, because like I've been engaging with him through DMs and stuff like that, that, that opportunity happens. Like I don't just text him like randomly like, hi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? like, that's true. But yeah. Um, the biggest thing for me, and I'm curious your take on it, is how do you avoid information overload? Because it's so easy to have your 15 podcasts, your books, your people you want to take their courses, all these different things. And there isn't enough time to go through all that, plus articles and newspapers and whatever else in a day. You have to like be conscious about how much you consume so you're able to actually create as well. Yeah, you only do the things that are going to serve your larger goal, right? Like any action I take, like if, is it going to help me complete or make me closer to my vision? Right. Mm -hmm. If it isn't, then I'm just not going to do it. Right. So like, the, say, say there is like a book, an article, a podcast, a course on becoming a better podcaster. How do you choose between those? And, and how do you know how much time to put into each of them? Yeah. I mean, like I, go into my time management schedule, I guess. So like I'm up every morning at like four, four thirty, right? And I'm down here in this basement and I know exactly what I do every morning. So I have a structure and a routine in place. Like every morning is exactly the fucking same. Right. And after I'm done with whatever morning routines, like for the next hour I'm reading. Right. And uh, typically the reading I'm doing is dictated by the guest I have coming on my show. Right. Right. So like I'll have their book right there on my desk. So I'm ready to, to interview them. Right. Like I'm taking in all their information, taking notes, compiling my notes and yeah, preparing for the interview. Right. Uh, so then, how do you also like, I, I get that, but how do you also like, brush up on the meta skills of life, like interviewing or other things that like, you're not going to be, you're probably not going to be reading a book about interviewing that your next podcast is going to, talk about that would be pretty unlikely talking about i've got the book the art of the interview by uh <laughs> something grobel and i just implement it right so for me i like first of all i i interview like this is the 23rd of the month i've interviewed 17 people already wow. right so i interview a shit ton and i'm a mentor at data science dream so i talk to people all the time and i've started a new 
kind of format for the podcast called conversations where they're less formal. So now it's an opportunity for me just to have conversations with people who I think are cool. Oh, that's, right? well, that's a great idea. Yeah. So it's just any opportunity. Like you just trust me, man. If, if you have clarity on vision, if you know exactly what it is that you are trying to accomplish, then you will make things fit together the way you need them yeah. to, to accomplish that. Great advice. That's all it takes. Um, but I don't yeah. want to hold you any longer because you yeah, need to get to the Apple store. Yeah, I need to get to the Apple store. Like, like you know, at six o'clock, I have to pick it up. So, fifteen minutes. But um, <laughs> thank you for the questions. I really appreciate it. Like last week, people were asking me about my process as well for the office hours. So, if you want to know more, um, listen to the office hours from last week. It's up on the podcast. Um, but I, I love it when when people ask me about stuff. So, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, really cool. Thanks for all your time, Harpreet. Yeah, take care. Have a good weekend, everyone, and we'll see you next. Friday. Yeah. Next Friday. Take care. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye.